Hello, and welcome back to the 108th edition of the Parrot Podcast. How have we gone so far, boys? That's amazing we've gotten to 108. But this week, we're without our glorious leader, Hamish. So it's the inmates running the asylum, and joining me as always is Bertie. Hey, how's it going? All good, mate. And Ham. Oh, yeah, good, I suppose. It's sort of put me in a spin not having our uh, glorious yeah, it, leader. It's not right, isn't it? It's just, it's wrong. It's like no, the, the eels without Mitchell Moses. It's, yeah, it's, I think eels without Clinton Gutherson. Oh, big call. Yeah. Oh, man. I was just trying to make a relation to the season in 2020, but you made you probably made the correct call. It's the Eels without Quentin Gufferson, the Power Podcast without Hamish. But um, I think uh, our podcast will relate very much to our game on Sunday, where <laughs> what is going on? Going through the motions, minutes. eh? Yeah. So speaking Three of, minutes. let's jump straight into that segue. Parramatta Eels 18 defeat the Canterbury Bulldogs 16. Try scorers Mitchell Moses and Quentin Gufferson, speaking of the man with a double. Um, Mitchell Moses free from free from the kicking tee. For the Dogs, Raymond Fitella Mariner, Jake Avarulo with that sensational touchdown in the corner, and Marcelo Montoya scoring for the Blue and White Boys. Uh, what do we make of it, boys? Uh, yes. uh, yeah, you go, Hamish. I was going to say. <laughs> I'll start off with a, you know, I suppose a positive. <laughs> um, this, you know, it's, it's going to sound negative, but I'm going to try and spin it into a positive here. The first 20 minutes of the second half, I believe the Dogs had 70% possession. Maybe more than that, and overall in that second half they had sixty-one percent possession. So to, I, I know it's only the dogs and they've got poor attack, but to only concede ten points, especially on a, a warm day, um, I think that's a pretty good effort. Like obviously we should have done more. They didn't have that much possession. Um, a lot of our, our kicking game, I think, is a reason for that. Uh, I, I don't seem to recall much dropped ball from us. It was more, yeah, unlike we making through the line. Unlike that, that last month of play, wasn't it, where there was a number of obvious drop balls and errors? It was more just, I think, sloppy execution in defense. Maybe I think there was one, and that was Sivo, and it was kind yeah, of that's right. Maker yeah. did have a very bad drop coming off um, our own goal line or our own red zone. <clears throat> but speaking of possession, Ham, um, you mentioned that seventy percent and sixty percent figures in the second half. The Dogs ended up winning the possession battle fifty-four to forty-six percent. Um, they dominated time of possession, 33 minutes to 28 minutes and 8 seconds. Completion rates are very similar between the two teams. 81% for the Dogs with 34 of 42 sets completed. Parramatta with uh, 78% completed, 31 of 40 sets. So while the set count was very similar, I dare say that the Dogs got more set restarts during the course of the game, which helped influence that time of possession and uh, possession rate. Oh, well, actually, uh, wasn't it 5 to 1? If I'm not mistaken, that is correct. I haven't got the Fox Sports starter in front of me here who do do the set restarts, but I do think it was 4 at one point late in the second half and ended up being 5-1. So, yeah, so there's your sense, right? That's right. And so the, the attacking stats are, and defensive stats are actually relatively even between the two teams. Um, the biggest ones being the Dogs made four line breaks to two, but I think most of those line breaks came in the back of those kicks um, in their red zone where we sort of just had our, I don't know what happened, but we sort of watched the Dogs make 30 or 40 meter line breaks on the back of them. And the big one being the other one that favoured the Eels was the uh, penalties conceded where we won eight to three. But um, I think about half of those were there was an incorrect play of the ball. There was a string of um, foul plays involving uh, Tim Lafay, and then there was some other incidental stuff. So it wasn't like we actually dominated the ruck due to penalty counts. It was more incidental penalties coming our way. Yeah, and don't forget the um, deliberate foul on Nathan Brown. For, uh, That's right. The, the shot off the shot off the ball when he was chasing through the grabber kick. Correct from um, right. from Wanga Blake. Shot off the ball, um, shoulder charge, and a deliberate penalty in an attacking position. I don't understand how it wasn't 10 in the bin. Well, with, one thing that Annesley should have been looking at, that's the play. Well, obviously, the, the, the two quote-unquote big decisions to come out of this game was early in the piece when the Dogs um, were incorrectly ruled to have um, obstructed Mitchell Moses in the lead-up to a try down that left edge for them. And the other one was the Makasivo uh, supposed to forward pass at the end of the game where... It came out backwards from the hand, but might have floated forwards across the sideline. And that was the, especially the first part was the, the focus fantasy. But like you said, Ham, that was a obvious uh, sort of situation for the use of the sim bin, but we don't have much luck when it comes to opposition players getting sim binned, it seems. No, and we don't have much luck with Graham Mannersley there. Like, <laughs> he said that that should have been a try, but Ofiki Ogden stops in the line. He runs on the outside shoulder of Mitchell Moses. The ball is caught behind his back. Um, you have one of those three, it's an obstruction. Well, there, there seems to have been an un, an unofficial shift towards putting all the onus on defensive decision-making, doesn't it? And sort of excusing running to the outside shoulder, whereas once upon a time, the onus was on the decoy runner to always run inside shoulder. Otherwise, it was immediately a penalty because it sort of took out the grayness in the uh, obstruction place. Obstruction. You've got idiots. Like, 
Michael Ennis going on about this one refereeing decision and just constantly going on about it for a minute or two. He was one of the ones that want to speed up the game and thought that bringing one referee into it was doing that. And this is what well, you read, bro. Right? did it. Yeah. He didn't go to the bunker. didn't waste five minutes arguing whether it was a, a, a obstruction or not. He called it as he saw it, as we want our referees to do. And you know what? Obstruction like speed, it's going to be... Fi- and, you know, whether... You can look back at it and I can say that, you know, he stopped in line, he's run on the outside shoulder, he's caught behind the ball. But that happens like that. That happens so quick. And he's gone, all right, I think that's a penalty. I'm going to blow a penalty. And then we've got, you know... The his boss coming out, not even backing him up. Well, that's been the story of the season, hasn't it? Is people a little bit bemused as to why Annesley even bothers with these press conferences because all it does is undermine the officiators. But you know, he says he goes in my opinion. So, like, are you saying? Yeah, it's a qualifying statement to allow him. That's right to sort of win win over the public opinion without completely throwing out his officials to. To the, um, but the is, it, is this is this opinion Graham Annesley the fan or Graham Annesley the head of operate like you know football operation? That's what we want to know because if he came out and said you know um this is this is the wrong rule this is the wrong take different story. But when he said in my opinion oh you could argue like what game was it? I think it was like a couple of games we had a call go against us and he goes in my opinion like he he really hated to admit it was a decision decision going against us. And goes, there was the Ford, the Ford pass against Canberra where it was blatantly about five metres forwards and he said, Oh, yeah. He in goes, my opinion, it probably went backwards, but you know what? You can understand why you'd think it was a Ford pass. It's, like yeah, the, so it's look, quite obvious a Ford pass. Anyway. He, he has to be clear cut. He has to be, he can't, he can't be casual and be the fan. He has to tell them, hey, I mean, you know, I'm, this is the actual official rule, official, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, What's the word? The official complaint or whatever it is, you know, the official outcome, but none of this casual shit, uh, in my opinion. Like, it's just fueling the rage. That's why. So. Let's jump into a few negatives from this game because there are quite a few to we could um, break down. Let's start with the actual matchup itself. Um, why did the Parramatta struggle against the Bulldogs, boys? Can we can we sort of pin it down? I tried to write about this and I couldn't really figure it out because looking at this game, I don't think the Dogs do anything special. There's obviously the effort level there, but I don't think like they're, they're deliberately shutting down our ability to play wide and fast. It feels like we just go into our shells when we play against them. Lack of intensity. Mm-hmm. That's what I, our, I thought our forwards brought it, especially uh, Reg and Paulo. You can see that in the mid zone, mate. See that. And we'll we'll get to them later because they do. They are worthy of a shout out later. But and th- as always, Nathan Brown I think brings energy. Um, I thought we, uh, I, when I say lack of intensity, I, th- I think that's from our spine. Gutherson, not as much as the, I think they could have gone in this game. Uh, they only have to score X amount of points because dogs boy, you know. So. I think that's what it was. They saw we went up 18-0. How easy is this? We're just going to put the cue in the rack now. And I think, you know, even if we kept that intensity up, of you look at the plays that we, when um, with, with Tenny's Lewis and I played the ball quickly, mm. we kick it out, we shift the ball left on the tap. Right? It was it was simple and, you know, it was... And that was just about the last time we went slow. wide, wasn't it? But we went wide straight away. Like, we took the opportunity. There's a try. Easy. Easy try. One of the easiest tries we scored this year. And then we put on this little trick play where, you know, this is where Joey's coaching comes in. Moses is looking to the corner post, drags um, Meany. Nick Meany that way because that's the way you, you kick, you look where you kick. So he's telling one story with his eyes, but another with his boot. And puts it back. Gutherson with the intensity to chase that ball. And then from there, we're just like, yep, we've scored enough points now. We're just going to put the cue in the rack. Drop it back in the second and put the cruise control on her. Yeah, and the dogs come out in the second half. They come out firing. They come out 100%. And then we thought, oh, shit, you know. And then by the time that we finally caught up and got out of the sheds, it's 18, 16. And, you know, when you have that weight of possession against, um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not 100% sure here. I think it was up around 70% against you. It's a warm, you know, unreasonably warm Sunday afternoon in winter that we have not played in the sun yet this year. And... You know, so I think that's when we sort of come out and we sort of, I'm not sure if we matched, we brought it up to a level in their plays. 10 minutes longer in the first half or, you know, even just for the first 40 minutes, I don't, we probably put on another two tries there and the dogs just don't look coming back mm-hmm. at all. You singled out our spine there, Ham. Um, I'll throw it over to Bertie now. What do you think about the sort of slump that both uh, Reed Marnie and Dylan Brown are going through at the moment, mate? I... Look, I think they're in a slump, but I think they're just going through the through the motion and trying to because this season is unlike others where we're playing seventeen weeks straight or whatever it is. So I'm thinking they know look we're we're a semi final football team, we're a top four team. I'm trying not to sort of get injured, just do enough, put the cue in the rack and then defend because 
That's what that's what I think. But they, I could be completely wrong. But it just feels mm-hmm. as though there are because name another season where you had seventeen weeks straight where there's no yeah, it, it certainly like reset is a button. Unique level of attrition for every team in the competition, absolutely. And what do you think about those two boys? Um well, I was just gonna I think Birdie's right there with um you know, not looking to get injured. I'm just pulling up uh champion data here. Um, because I did see, you know, case in point, Dylan Brown. He's been averaging nearly, I think, over 100 metres a game as a half, which is basically unheard of. This game only ran four times. Uh, Dylan's not low on fitness. He's one of the fittest at the club. So I don't think saying uh, 30 tackle attempts will take it out of you. He'll overcome that. But to only run four times and to pass 40 out of 44 possessions, I think Birdie might be right where he's just going, you know. And you know what? Might be a bit of a directive from BA too. You've got Laney there. He's a big forward. We're starting to get our forwards back. Maybe use them just a little bit more. Preserve your body. You're only 20 years old. You've got a long way to go. It's, it's, it is a long season. Um, there is no backup halfback, whereas we do have backup forwards. So I'm not sure if it's a directive or, you know, what it could be. It could just, I don't know. And Look with- at the Roosters, right? They they don't play like 100. Like they time their run perfectly. So towards the last, you know, four, six weeks, that's when they pick up. You know, maybe we're taking a leaf out of that book or something because... That, that is a salient point because Trent Robinson is a master at, at realising that the season is a marathon, not a sprint, and that you yeah. can have a lull in the middle as long as you start peaking towards the finals. So um, speaking of the other other player I mentioned, Reid Money, having some issues with his service lately, um, some passes hitting the ground across multiple sets, and there was one moment where he sort of jumped out of dummy half looking to spark a little play down the left side and he got picked off. So is he trying to do too much? Does he need to be spelled a little bit, boys? I think it's for fatigue, yeah. I mean, he's got a, he's got a monstrous workload, hasn't he? It's you know, look at this game: sixty six tackles from a twenty two year old. You know, I know he's a hooker and everything, and they're expected to tackle that much. Geez, that's a lot, a lot of tackles to make. You know, he's played pretty much every minute of every game so far this year, so he's expected to make sixty plus tackles a game, be it every, be it every ruck to pass the ball, and then expected to throw twenty meter cutout passes from the ground. I. It's, that's, it's a tough job to do, especially as our dummy half. And um, I think that playing that long, I know he wants to play and it's a fantastic attitude to have to play. You know, I- sometimes sometimes yeah. less is more though, isn't it? Yeah, maybe a simple game plan because like he wants to make the tackles, take the runs, throw the cutout passes, even he's kicking as well. Like I think he has to literally just worry about his defense and then sort of like Dylan Brown, choose your timing, choose your thing, not try and do everything because at the end of the day, um, we've got Dylan, we've got Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses, and Guffo to a degree who can start creating stuff. And you know, like I just could be right. Maybe give him a break. Look at what ha- look what's happening with um the Storm. They're resting uh Pepperhausen. Like they, I just think as I said, we go back to the seventeen weeks. You know, that's right. I think the top teams are starting to look at how they can manage their rosters in order to peak. Exactly. Don't burn them out. Now, speaking of managing a roster, Ryan Madison late uh, withdrawal due to the concussion protocols. He apparently passed the actual test themselves but the club chose to err on the side of caution and that carries through to this week as well. Um, what do we think about weakening a position on the bench to strengthen a weakness by shifting Murata Niakore from the bench to right edge? Do we like it or not? Because I'm not a fan of it, I will say. Well, I'll, I'll start off with, like, on Maddo, like, you can't, you can't do it, like, you can't risk it. We know, we know, like, 2% of what CTE does. Oh, and, and given his history, the club absolutely made the right call. I have no issues with them resting yeah. him. It, it was more along the lines of, do you think that Murata's value as a bench uh, specialist is greater than replacing Madison in the right edge slot? I agree 100%, and I think I commented on it after the game. I didn't like the way we used our right edge uh, second row in this game. Um, oh, just the pit itself. Yeah, it was just like a simple battering ram, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So we had Murata starting, which, no, whatever. It is what it is. Then we had Andrew Davey come on. Again, it is what it is. But then we had Brad Takarangi come on. There's three changes. So you're disrupting the defensive line three times for one. Mm-hmm. I think what we could have done was start Davey. You know, and if we'd make the change, it go from Murata to Davey. I don't think bringing Tacker in there does the defensive structure good. And especially because they're three different players. Like the three different styles of players. You've got Murata, who's just like 100% intensity. Hard-nosed smash mouth, north-south runner. Yeah, you got Andrew Davies got a little bit of a little bit more finesse in his game, you know. He's not gonna run, you know, straight head first, look at a hole, run into a hole, that sort of thing. And then you got Taku who's just like basically another half. So how's the halfback and the centers and the winger supposed to like, find rhythm around those three different players? Yeah. Whereas I think, you know See, Murata, this is where I think oh sorry, go. Sorry. No, I was gonna say Murata and Davy are probably closer style of players. Um 
you probably you don't you definitely don't get as much from Davy as you do Murata, and I don't. That's not a knock on Davy, just because you know he's only played three games, or this was his. So yeah, obviously, correct, he's not yeah. going to have that experience to do it. Um, but if you change those two, you know, I think it's fine. But bringing in Taka as well, I thought. It's- See, this is what I think. If Davy had say fifty games under his belt, he might start. And Brad Arthur speaking, I can't chuck you know this this guy in who's only you know he's a veteran in terms of his age, but he's only three games into his career, so. I think Brad Arthur just thought the safe option, I'm going to give the more experience. Even though Takarang is more experienced than Murata, Murata's like season fit, like in terms of he's played nearly every game. Taka has been in and out. So I just thought Brad Arthur probably went with the safest option. I don't like it because I think I like Murata as to be like a Papali. He's like a battering ram. When you put him outside, he has to compete. He has to have a bit of footwork. And, you know, like if you look at this year, he's just, he's running. He's, he's, it's, it's incredible. He's, you know, post contact meters and everything. So, you know, like, if Davey had another 20 more games in, he'd probably start. But just Brad Arthur's probably just doing what's right for the week to week, you know. Maybe this is a sign that we probably have to look at getting, like, a recognized backup um, back rower because I don't know what's going to happen with Davey cool. beyond this year or even Takarangi. But, like, who else is that backup back rowers, you know? Yeah, we, it's definitely a position where we are fit on depth in the short term. I think that long term we might be able to wrangle up something through the juniors. But right now, you're right. It could be an issue heading into 2021. Now, staying off the theme of the bench, we had two big inclusions against the Dogs in Kane Evans and Oregon Kafusi, but they weren't as impactful as you might have thought coming into this game. Um, what went wrong, boys? Just a little bit underdone on match fitness, or the game just didn't go their way when they came on because the Dogs had all the possession? Kane come on, um, threw a fantastic offload at Japor, so he hasn't lost that. But, you know, in saying that, like, you look at the stats, six uh, six runs for Evans and four runs for but the Dogs had so mm-hmm. like That takes a lot of, a lot of energy. More, it takes more energy... To tackle that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why controlling possession and time of possession is so big, isn't it? Yeah. So I think it's just, you know, a bit of lack of match fitness, a bit of um, unfortunate circumstances when they came on, uh, especially because, you know, and they have a hard, you know, Reg and Junior's a high, high bar. So, you know, they, they may, they've been making 200 metres a game for a month or month and a half. So, you know, to try and keep that momentum, you know, I don't think, Evans is hitter in defense. Neither is Kafusi. They just sort of get defense. So they're not going to be there forcing errors on it either. I think it was just unfortunate. Not not. Well, speaking... They were just out there for defense, man. You look at it. Like the stats. I think they've got 17 tackles for Evans, 18 for Kafusi. You know, one ineffective for Evans, two for Kafusi. Like it's just... I think they were just trying to hold up the fort and just defend. And then... Because you saw when Junior Reg came back on, like we just... Seems a bit more in attack, but there's nothing you can do. Like it, it reminded me of the game against the dreaded game against the Cowboys, where we just kept defending, and you know <laughs> yeah. uh, we it actually helps them because you know they defended well. They didn't let any more missed tackles or anything like that. So speaking yeah. of those starting bookends, who were once again fantastic, um, Junior Paulo, Reagan Campbell, Gillard. I'd say Paulo probably got the three Dalian points in this game, even though it's gone behind, behind closed doors. But um, in Indigenous round, it was almost fitting that he channeled the spirit of Arthur Beetson, wasn't it? With that fantastic oh, try assist early on, I got heart palpitations. That was like, just just a special bit of ball skills, wasn't it? To engage oh, the, the defense like that, and with two or three men on him, manage to free up both hands to get like a legitimate pass, not just an offload away, was just insane. That's what's so great about Junes. His size and is like rumbling towards the line, and then just that it's like a center. You know the way he steps off his left foot, attracts foreign mm. back. I think it was foreign or Fatala Mariner. Either one doesn't matter. He attracts the outside defender there because they have to come out. They have to come out of line to tackle this 125 kilo behemoth. And then he's got the hands of over half. And you know, don't discount Mitch in this run because he could have just let Junes run at the line, but he saw that there was yeah because Moses would obviously be in the next cab off the rank for the next play. So he would have yeah. been setting up for that next play. But he obviously saw that Junior had a little something cooking and jumped into the barbecue. So it was interesting to note because we were a little bit disjointed in the red zone this week. We sort of just went sideways a lot. And our best moments came when Junior Paulo was almost acting as that first uh, receiver halfback. He'd be flying onto the ball with shape to his right and sort of began freezing up the dog defenders because they have to respect the fact that he could just tuck the ball under and run, but he could easily throw that 15-meter cutout to the support to his right. So the Eels need to tidy up a little bit there, but he's obviously just also that good. And for Reagan Campbell-Gillard, um, depending on which stats you look at, he um, either fell just short of 200 meters on champion data or nrl.com's more generous uh, meterage gave him 201 which puts him at five or six straight games of 200 depending on who you go with so another fantastic game for the man of the mustache he did have a late error unfortunately for junior boy offload that sort of uh, took away a real good attack opportunity that we had but yeah those two players just special and i think it was 
the, their importance to the team was singled out by Brad Arthur in the post-match press conference. And he said that, you know, he's loath to heap that sort of praise on players because of the pressure that comes with it. But he said that he doesn't know where the team would be without those two. And I think that true, truer words couldn't have been spoken. Our starting middle this year has just been so strong. And like, I know at the start of the year, there was some concerns about our mid, um, especially coming off the bench. I really think um, now just our middle, you know, middle third of the field, I think we put it to A+. Plus. Yeah, it's up, saw, it's up there for the best in the NRL, really. No concerns. I think I saw me. a stat on Twitter. Like, Reg had, look, between rounds one and seven, he was averaging, like, 47 minutes. You know, um, it was, like, 15 runs, not even that, 20-something tackles. And then post, like, round, I don't know what we are, eight, so seven to 14 or whatever, it's, like, 67 minutes, 20 runs. Like, he's just increased. He's just gone, like, quite literally gone to another level, hasn't he? Because he wasn't bad this first half of the season, but now well, since... Well, he wasn't, it, you, you second-guessing the, sort of, like, I was second-guessing the contract length because it was, like, five years, wasn't it? Uh, we inherited now, we inherited deal from Penrith, so I'm not sure if it's four years left on it or not. Yeah. It's, well, now I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, Sonny, extend it again. <laughs> like, it's just, well, name the last prop we've had, because you, you go through the props we've had in the oh, history. Oh, yeah. as, as a tandem, Junior and Reg are uh, up there for all time, if they can yeah. keep this trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, look, Philby, he could play max 30, uh, 40 minutes. Tim Manor, he was sort of he could play punch out long minutes, but he wasn't effective. Like, I'm not disrespecting them, but it's like as if um they got ahead of the curve, come back from the COVID break, they just increased their minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Any closing comments, boys, or you want to move on from here? Oh, break for NASA the perv, mate. Listen here. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. I like how they had the graphic, oh, 7-1 penalty count. I admit, we had the penalty count. But what was below the penalty count? It was a four-love uh, set restarts. So you could argue, like, are we valuing the set restart as a minor yeah, penalty? So it, that's it, right. It's actually a 7-5 indiscretion count because the set restarts are everybody as influential as penalties. But you just get, just, of course, I mean, we can excuse him because he's got a wandering eye. He probably didn't see the full love, but he's just, and they just kept running with it. They, have a, they had nothing go their way. They had one less set than us. No, sorry. They had the same amount of sets as us at halftime. They completed one less. Like, it was identical. The only thing that wasn't identical was the scoreboard and the penalty count, um, uh, numbers like everything else was identical. So for them to say they had nothing go their way, just shut up and you know it's an even <laughs> game of football. Stay out of it. So to wrap it up, the win, the eighteen sixteen victory, uh, takes Parramatta to ten wins on the season and keeps them abreast of the Melbourne Storm on ten wins as well. And it means that they're that one point behind the Penrith Panthers who have that draw and just a single loss, which was against Parramatta way back in round uh, five or six. So <clears throat> they all stay round five. There you go. So they all stay top three, still in the hunt for the minor premiership. And as I, we reminded each other every week, our destiny is still very much in our own hands with games against the Storm and the Panthers up ahead. If we win, we take care of everything. If not, you know, we're going to keep ourselves thereabouts. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to the news. Uh, sorry, oh, can I just have a closing? You, yeah, you may have a closing statement. Closing. Um, people, you know, you're sitting at home, smoking a cigar, drinking. If you're complaining about us having a 10 out of start, get over yourself. Yeah. I mean, yes, you can be frustrated by the way we've played in the last couple of weeks, but the fact is that we've kept winning, and that's huge. Yeah. You know, the last month of football, we haven't been at our best. But guess what? We've won three out of the four, and we only lost one of them because we didn't have our goal kicker on the field. And no Blake Ferguson or Ryan Madison either. So yeah, It's just like, I don't want because obviously if the Manly had their players, and two pretty good. That's Actually, right. I think we've got a better win percentage than the Roosters did at the same time in 2018 mm-hmm. and 2019. So, and like Bertie right. said, it's about timing your run. So they also got eight weeks to get right and to get, you know, into ship shape for the finals. And it'll start, you know, in the next week or two. And here's so. another tip. Oh. Premierships aren't won in July. <laughs> and defense, yeah, defense win. win championships. So what would you rather have? Do you want to be like the vintage Warriors who are hot and cold week to week? Or do you want to be, let's be honest, the Storm who win every game and they defensively, they're a rock, and they're winning championships. And it is you know worth what? it is worth noting that the Eels do still possess the best defense on points by two points ahead of the Melbourne Storm. So they managed to just hold on to that for another week, which is See, fantastic. That could have been an issue with us in the game, like they because re- let's be honest, you can be confident in your defense, right? They probably think, "Hang on, we got the defense, we can hold them out." Let's just like it's sort of like we know we can. Re- they can't score anymore against us, so we're just going to put up the wall, but. You know, they're pretty confident in their defense as a, as a unit, you know. That's exactly, also. exactly. All right, let's get on to the news now. Um, so for those that are interested and have got some deep pockets in these trying times, the Parramatta Eels deep. will be deep, deep pockets. The Parramatta Eels are auctioning off uh, every seat, every single um, 2020 Indigenous jersey worn in round 12, including the four players that were listed to Team List Tuesday but didn't play. So if you go to the club site and have a little punch around there, they'll be able to find the link. 
Um, but the the bids start at if you're looking for a, a player worn jersey on game day, your lowest entry will be four hundred dollars for an Oregon Kafusi or Andrew. Oh no, Andrew Davies has gone up to five hundred bucks. So Sean Lane or Oregon Kafusi, your cheapest buy-ins here at four hundred bucks. And at the top end, if you're looking for the captain's jersey, um, Clinton Gufson will set you back fifteen hundred and fifty dollars uh, for the starting bid there. And who else is up there? We've got Dylan Brown at eleven hundred and eleven, Michael Jennings twelve hundred, uh, Reed Marnie eleven hundred. And any other big dogs? I think that's about Stefano, it. Stefano, it's 220 bucks full. And so if, you're, if you're looking for the cheapest buy-in for a non-worn jersey, Stefano yeah. Toikamanu, $321. You can easily you know, put the hashtag our jungle on that target. <laughs> so just, right. just a reminder, these jerseys were designed by Aboriginal artist Danielle Mate Sullivan with a lot of input from Will Smith. And I think they feature the handprints of Will Smith and Blake Ferguson's kids on um, one part of the jersey. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. So, Down um, the bottom of the jersey. And actually, I've got, you know, one of the original, one of the um, jerseys. They're very nice. I actually have to say, you know, <laughs> covering one eye, um, no, no glasses, no bias glasses on here. I think ours was the best. It was, I was, it was definitely, it was definitely up there. Um, I think the like, was... all the other ones were just like, oh yeah, here's here's some. But our one was just like, no, nah, we're oh. going to go out here different than our. The Warriors ones look good every year. I like the Warriors. The Warriors one. did have a good one, but there was quite a few clubs that said, let's take our normal jersey and just put some, you know, Aboriginal dot art and whatnot in place of our lines or stripes. Um, but I think that, yeah, there's a number of clubs that did a very good job and there was a few that didn't. So the Eels were definitely up there though. So if you want to get one of those jerseys, go to parallels.com and have a look. Um, what time do the auctions close? Uh, 3 p.m. Saturday, 8th of August. So you've got until this weekend to get your bids in. Uh, moving forwards, um, the women's Harvey Norman Premiership Round 3 took place on the weekend. And unfortunately for Wenty, um, I think we went down again. Yeah, 14-4 to 4 to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, Rima Perini Butler scoring for the Magpies, and unfortunately that consigns them. If I can, is there a ladder here? I don't think there is a ladder. Sorry. So that means oh, it's I, an awful side, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I'm looking at how to navigate this, and it's it's absolutely. There's a few hidden in there. I don't know who are they. So yeah, unfortunately, I think have I gotten? A, yeah, there is a few hidden in there for player names. Jeez. A PPA or fill in or something. Oh goodness. Like. So yeah, unfortunately, that keeps the girls anchored to the bottom of the ladder. If I'm not mistaken, I've got the ladder ahead of me, but. I, I believe that we've got one or zero wins, if I can recall Hamish's previous results. Um, and then moving on to the next piece, um, we'll look at the uh, rest of the NRL from round 12. So we have a number of good results and mostly close results on the Indigenous round, actually. There wasn't any blowouts this week, if I recall correctly. So we started on Thursday night with the Rabbitohs 32, defeating the St. George Law Dragons 24. Any takeaways, boys? Dragons nearly had them. That's been the story of the Dragons' last couple of games, hasn't it? They've sort of been right in it, but haven't been able to put the foot in the throat. So that um, this game saw uh, the dra- the Dragons, the Rabbitohs lose their halfback, uh, Adam Reynolds, which isn't a shock to anyone given he's made a glass, but Cody Walker stepped up big time in his absence. And and um, I think the fascinating thing for the Rabbitohs was that all 32 points were scored by players of Indigenous origin. So a very fitting result, um, the Indigenous round. Then we come to our first big upset of the week. The New Zealand Warriors 26 defeat the West Tigers 20. couple of paraboys in the figure of it there. Oh, I don't think it was an upset. I've, I legit thought... <laughs> Well, listen, you need to have the great George Jennings and the Dan Alvaro, ex Paramount Player of the Year. No, I'd, yeah, That's I'd, I legit, yeah, I legit tipped them because I just thought, listen, to you Tigers, you smart ass arrogant pricks. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Listen, here, can you imagine losing to the, like, losing to the war? Like, I, I don't know what's wrong with them, man. Seriously, I think, Madge, if I was you, I'd, I'd get the first plane to Townsville and get the job right now. But <laughs> And, of course, the uh, Paraboys there did a pretty good job. George Jennings starting on the left wing, if I'm not mistaken. And so he could have had a couple of tries, but him and Hiku, they didn't have just that timing not, right. Not like, quite yet on the same page, which is to be expected. But still, could have been 50 to 20. You never know. Still, Georgie Boy, he had a couple of errors off some tough passes. There was no weak mistake this time around for him. And he managed to bang out 151 metres from 14 carries. While um, Daniel Alvaro off the bench had seven runs for 69 metres. So good efforts from the boys there. It was a mixed result, though, for the Warriors because it came out last night that Todd Payton had turned down the head coaching job there. So that leaves them in an interesting spot when it comes to finding their new uh, commander-in-chief. So keep tabs on that one. Any um, any ideas you think it will be, boys? Uh, for the Warriors, uh, I think... Um, Tuvi. Tuvi? I reckon Tuvi. I'm thinking the Uber driver, Brian Smith. Brian Smith. <laughs> well, he, he was involved previously with them with their overhaul, so it'll be interesting to see where they do go. I reckon he could set it up. Maybe they'll go left field and probably try and grab um, some some prize assistant. Who's the, who's the most prize assistant right now? We're the one at St. George, I'd say. Demetrio, whatever. Flanagan, probably. Cartwright. Cartwright. <laughs> oh, Cartwright. You never know. All right. Maybe they might get a two-for-one deal with Bryce Cartwright. <laughs> well, he's a free agent, although Jed did just sign with the Rabbitohs, so can't get the three-for-one. 
The other result on Friday night was the Cronulla Sharks coming back at the death, 36 to 26 over the Brisbane Broncos, um, who had a had a great game for Katoni Staggs, who turns up was turns out was really up for it after um an R-rated video. Yeah, he was revving <laughs> up for it. Yeah. Digging all toes into the ground, mate. What, a, <laughs> what an odd game though. The the Broncos obviously their best half of probably the season in the first half. They raced out to an early lead and then just got gunned down after on, on the back of one of the most unlikely plays you'll probably see all year in that short dropout, they got tapped back and then Dearden sort of just like a deer in headlights stared at it and dropped it cold, allowing Wade Graham, who to his credit, had come flying through to dive on it. And that's what sparked the comeback. Broncos. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a feel-good meme, isn't it? But they certainly do feel like they have forgotten how to win. And it, it sort of yeah, positions... since close it out. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it positions the Eels and the Sharks very interestingly coming into round 13 with both teams coming off wins that were way harder than they had to be. But we'll get to that later with the preview. Um, on Saturday, we started off with a nearly another upset. The Sydney Roosters, 18, just getting past the Gold Coast Titans, 12. The Titans had three tries denied in this game. I, did, I didn't see this game. You didn't I just, see it? Um, so I just thought they got to get out of jail, free cut again. Yeah, well, the, the Roosters, I know they've got a number of injuries, and that is a legitimate excuse for some of the, their form slump. But they've been struggling for the last few weeks, but much like the Eels, have been finding a way to get the Ws regardless. So as you've spoken to, Bertie, Trent Robinson, a master of getting his team to peak at the right time, and the fact that he's keeping touch with the top four is um, important for these wins. But for the Titans, another encouraging performance under their new coach, who is, um, we, we sort of mean them in the, in the past, but Holbrook is doing a good job for him. Um, and they were unlucky not to win. There was a, a try, uh, I was trying to think of who, who, who scored the tries that were taken away. There was one to one-time Parramatta Real, uh, oof, Jamal Fogarty. Oh, uh, Jamal Fogarty uh, nearly uh, no, scored. Wenty legend, um, plays halfback. Yeah, Jamal Fogarty. Oh. So he nearly scored a sensational 40-meter effort, but it came back because of a technical call on passing off the ground. And then there was a couple other tries that came back too. So Titans doing a real good job being competitive. Not quite there, and it'll be interesting to see how their new recruits affect their chances next year. Actually, they remind me a bit of us in 2012. A lot of, lot of ticker, but not quite. Close. Close mm-hmm. a lot of game. Was it 2012 or 2011? Must have been 2011. He's doing the best with whatever he it has was- at the moment, you know, like... When was Kearney's first year? 2011. 2011, because 2010 was yeah. Anderson, yeah. So, yeah, we, had, we were very close in a lot of games. We went out and we bought, you know, at the time, big signings. Chris Sando, uh, Ben Roberts, yeah, um, and Matt, you know. It reminds was that Norman's that. first year as well, or was that, or did he come a bit later? Norman was 2014. 2014, oof, um, three years, Jesus. So, yeah, it's just that, you know, I because they're looking for game breakers here, but I'm not sure if they have, because they're losing Arrow, they're losing Ryan James, um, you know, they're looking for game breakers here, but I'm not sure if they've got the blokes like the one percent plays. Mm. They are a good yeah. they, they are a good story though, as far as they're getting being competitive this year. And it will be interesting to see how they go next year. Um the rest of Saturday was rounded out with uh, the return of John Bateman being enough to get the Canberra Raiders home fourteen to twelve over the Cowboys, while Penrith Panthers blew out the Manly Seagulls forty two to twelve. Um a lot of hype about Nathan Cleary in that uh, later result, while in the uh the, the middle game on Saturday the Raiders struggled. They, that was a tough game, and the North Queensland Cowboys had plenty of chances to win it, but they've just been, I think, a, bit, a little bit like, not so much as bad as the Broncos, but I think there is an extent about the Cowboys forgetting how to win a bit. And yeah, well, they're missing, you know, they're missing Malcolm Morgan, who, who is a winner. Like, he's, they've just, I think they're just missing some, um, they've, they've lost a lot of uh, veteran experience over the years, and they've just, all at once, you know, like the last two years, they've lost a lot of them, so... You know, there's not much they can do. Mm. When you're relying so much on um, Valentine Holmes coming in from the NFL, you know you're going to struggle this year. Yeah. We, I mean, we've seen with Jared Hayne returning to the NFL, it's a big call to invest such heavy funds into a player that's been out of the game for over 12 months. And unfortunately, Valentine has been off the pace or injured for the vast majority of the season. And that takes us to the final fixture on Sunday, with obviously the Eels, being playing, uh, Eels playing the first game against the Dogs. And that saw the Storm 26 knock off the Knights 16. Um, that keeps the Storm in second place on the ladder. Um, equal points of fast, but ahead on for and against. But it did see Cameron Smith get a, a minor AC joint injury to his shoulder, which naturally means he's going to miss two games. And do you know who plays the Storm in the third game? Us. Yep. <laughs> you, you can't script this stuff better, can't you? So, uh, yeah, the Melbourne Storm, too good for the, the um, Newcastle Knights, who were gritty, but unfortunately, they've just got a million hooker injuries and just... Are struggling at the moment. Obviously, they've gone out and signed a few. They signed uh, not a few players. They signed uh, Blake Green from the New Zealand Warriors, effective immediately. Alongside Melbourne, getting Ricky Latelli, so a couple of mid-season signings there. But yeah, Melbourne too good. Sensational solo try of Ryan Pappenhusen, who <laughs> who's very familiar with having his ankles shattered, as we've referenced multiple times in the twenties. <laughs> he did the same thing to Kalen Ponga 
um, turn him inside out as he stepped off that right foot and then put the uh, accelerators down. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think the biggest story out of this game was the uh, lack of social distancing on the Sunshine Coast. Nah, they were, they were one and a half minutes apart. They just got two heads, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that puts the uh, the round round 12, I was about to say round 13, that's coming up this week, round 12 into the books. And I don't think there was any significant shifts on the ladder. We've talked about the top four, Penrith, Melbourne, Parramatta, and the Roosters. The Raiders, Sharks, Knights, and Rabbitohs round out the top eight. And I think you can put, I mean, the chasing pack's already starting to get finned out. Manly are uh, just out of the top eight and four and against. West Tigers are one win behind with the best four and against of the chasing pack. And beyond that, you've got uh, the Dragons and Warriors on eight points, Cowboys and Titans on Cowboys, Titans and Broncos on six points, and the Dogs by themselves on four points. So you can almost put a cutoff on that top eight now, can't you? Yeah, well, you know, I think it was probably about two or three weeks back. A pack of seven that were up there was uh, us, Panthers, Raiders, uh, Knights. Knights, and Manly. Mm-hmm. That was sort of this. That was a, to me. That was a clear cut top seven. Now I think they're five. I think probably after the you know looking at the ladder as it is, I think after fifth, I can't see anyone. You need a pretty golden run of form, those. wouldn't you? Yeah, I think that the Sharks and the Knights, and if the Seagulls get right, they're probably the three big ones. Uh, Sharks terms. have just got an easy draw. Like, well, that, that's what we're going to find out this week, yeah. I think. So they certainly like, have had an easy draw. If Knights were fully healthy, like. It's, there'll be a great contest. You know, same thing with Rabbitohs if they've got like everyone. Like, it's just look, out of the besides the top five, I reckon Knights, Rabbitohs, and Seagulls are the only ones that can win it, but they have to have a lot of troops back and play good football. Other than that, it's just a top five. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, yeah. Nice. And just want to let you know, I feel a bit odd and a bit sick seeing Tigers at 10th. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, wrong. it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, uh, a lot of interesting um, rumours in Tiger Town. Michael Maguire to the Cowboys. He strenuously denied it, but there's been multiple, multiple media sources putting it forwards, and when there's smoke, there's often fire. So monitor that one because that would be, for them, heartbreaking to have a second coach walk out mid-contract. But well, speaking of the... Coach walking out and their best player by two lengths of the field going back down to Melbourne. Yeah. You know, and I, I think they'll be hoping for ninth in the coming That year. would, yeah. Ba- based on potential losses, that could be a good result for them, yes. But speaking of the Cronulla Sharks, round 13, round 13, goodness, sees the Parramatta Eels travel. And it's not the Shark Park, is it? It'll be at yeah, Jubilee Stadium because that's their, their sort of default home in these uncertain times and with their home stadium being renovated. Um, oh, that's definitely unprecedented. <laughs> playing out of a, a bit of rivals home stadium. Um, so the Sharks look like this this week. William Kennedy at fullback with Siena Katoa and Ronaldo Molotalo on the wings. Josh Dugan returns alongside Jesse Ramian, both uh, incoming uh, returnees in the centres, alongside Matt Moylan, who was also returning in the halves. So Moylan partner Sean Johnson at 6-7. and seven. In the front row, you've got Braden Hamon-Ueli and Aaron Woods bookending young Blake Braley at hooker. And in the back row, you've got CSC Fatalikai, who I believe was playing centre last week, has shifted to the back row, alongside their captain, Wade Graham. And at lock, you've got a very much a prop forward there in Toby Rudolph. So a big pack there for the Sharks. On the bench, you've got Connor Tracy, Jack Williams, Teague Wilton, and Royce Hunt. Um, the extended bench features Scott Sorensen, Britton Nakora, surprisingly, Braden Trindle, and Bryson Goodwin. For the Eels, um, it's a relatively unchanged 1-17, to with the captain, Quint Gufferson, at fullback, uh, Mike Acevo and Blake Ferguson on the flanks, Michael Jennings and Wanga Blake in the centres, Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses are your halves pairing. In the front row, it's Big Reg, Ragan Campbell-Gillard, and Junior Polo bookending Reed Marnie. Back row features Sean Lane and Murata Niakore returning as Ryan Madison is rested for another week for concussion protocol, and Nathan Brown is at lock. On the bench, we've got one new face with Ray Stone coming in at number 15. He'll be there alongside Andrew Davey, Kane Evans, and Oregon Kafusi. Sorry. On the extended bench, Brad Takarangi, Stefano Otoikamanu, David Gower, and Jay Field. So what do we think, boys? Uh, unchanged 1-13 to based on the team that trotted out on the park against the Dogs. I know that Madison was named, but Murata did play starting back row. And on the bench, you've got the one change with Ray Stone coming in for Brad Takarangi. I like it. I think the way we've got to play, especially coming into this, you know, we are in a bit of a lull or, you know, it's planned or whether it's not. We've just got to play to our strengths and our strength is right, just dominate right at the middle. When you look at the, the Sharks pack, um, Hamlin Newell has been a, he's been a sensation. Um, dare I say Junior Paulo, like he's quick on his feet, can move side to side, he's very fast. I'm not sure if he has the ball playing, but he's very good there. Woodsy always seems to step up against us and a billion offloads. Um, Toby Rudolph, you know, workhorse. But then you look at their bench, I think it's a bit small. Obviously, Royce Hunt is a big boy, but uh, Connor Tracy usually a slash half. 
Jack will on the edge. So I think if we can, again, it's just like the dogs. Just knuckle down and, and stick to the game plan. If we can hold him, we don't, we don't really need... To- uh, Birdie, how do you feel about the matchup? Sharks obviously usually a very tough rival for us in terms of style. Do you think we can take him? Yeah. If this was the Sharks three, four years ago, they like they play similar to us in terms of the grinding football and just dominate possession. But looking at their pack, you know, you, you did say, Ham, that um, they've got a bit of like a couple of workhorses. But I think with our... Like, they haven't come across a team like us where we can sort of build uh, pressure and starve them of the ball. And, you know, they'll be making, you know, probably 50, 60 more tackles. And the likes of our, like, our forwards don't get tired. Like, they seem like they're they're just running all the time. But I just feel as though, and I said this, I think, last week, that if we just do what we do, starve them of the ball, just dominate possession, like, come the 60th minute, you know, the floodgates will open and they'll be just, uh, they'll be gasping for air and we'll just, you know, run away with it. But if we don't, and if we do, like, another Bulldogs, well, their pack is much better than the Bulldogs. And, they could do some damage to us. So I just feel as though, you know, just run it hard, smash mouth football, you know, pound the rock. And yeah, other than that, like you got to worry about probably Ramian because he's such a big, uh, strong center. But other than that, like. And Talakai is very much in the same mold as Ramian, a sort of bowling ball back roll yeah. slash center. So they're probably the two players you've got to put a real, you know, danger sign around. What do we oh, think about Ray Stone being. As always, Wade Graham. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's yeah, an absolute, absolute competitor. He's playing his half. Yeah, absolutely. So he'll free up Sean Johnson a little bit too. So the Eels have to be on the ball. What do we think about Ray Stone being rushed back into the team? Not so much from uh, as a shot against Ray, because he was obviously playing some good football. How do we think his role fits into the team? Is he there to spell Reed Money, or is he going to be that utility back rower? Bring energy, I reckon. That's what it'll do. Yeah, bring all the energy. If you can bring him on, I won't say before half time because I like all get to play 40 minutes straight up. It disrupts it. If you can bring him on, Say fifty-five to sixty-five, and that's you spell read for ten minutes. You know, by then we should be right into the grind. You bring Ray on, you shore up the defensive line a little bit. Again, Reed's not a bad defender. That little bit of extra energy in defence, Ray Stone can lead the line. You know, decent enough passer forward who then can, um, and then by then you could maybe even take for whoever, probably even chuck Ray on, then bring Reed back into the middle and finish that laugh that's strong. I think that'll help. Maybe not help the team as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll just give Reed that little bit of extra any fit finishing the game where we might need. Yeah, it's true. Because like point. every like last week, like I said, the dogs they had a couple of big boys, but this team is that like besides their bench, they're starting pro- like we're talking Brandon Hammond, Ueli, like Woods, like they and Toby Rudolph, they're like big props. So you know, for them to run at Reed, I think you know I wouldn't be surprised if Reed comes off in the fiftieth minute. You know, give him ten more minutes and then just let Stone you know wreak havoc and. While that's happening, you know, get um, Junior on the bench to, you know, have a bit of a breather and even maybe Nathan Brown. But once um, I expect, you know, probably Reed to come, to come back on, you know, 65th minute, as Ham said, and just uh, hold out the win. But, uh, yeah, it's just this is – I'm worried because this is a big forward pack, but surely our backs can take it. Look, I, our strength is our forwards, but I think our back is like – our backs are 10 times better than his. Now, Blake Blurry does – Blake Braley, Braley – does love a, a little dart from dummy half near the trial line, so I do hope the boys are awake to that during the video review. Um, the other question I was going to throw you away was, Kane Evans and Oregon Kafusi, more minutes, less minutes, about the same from last week? What are we expecting from the two bench boys? I think it all depends on the situation. You can never go. Mm-hmm. I know I'd predicted it with Stoney and Reedy to stand. <laughs> but yes, but... You, you, you script a game plan, but you have to be willing to adapt based on what the game throws towards you, for sure. Yeah, four o'clock in the afternoon, starting to cool down. It's on Colgrove, so it's a little bit... Cool, uh, Sydney's West, especially um, at four o'clock. Starting to if we hold the ball, um, if we hold the ball early, I think you could probably leave them at sixty. Um, but if we don't hold the ball, if we're only getting thirty pillars, maybe not Reg. Reg just said, oh, what he wants to go." Great. I mean, Brad has spoken about how he has to almost drag him off at times because he wants to play the full eighty. Yeah, so it's it's hard to say. You do want Kano and uh, uh, you know just slowly bring him the game. But at props, if you're starting front row, well, you don't want to take them off. So it's it's a hard. You know, and that's why, especially now, when those people criticise rotation, it's good to say it in hindsight, but when you're making the decision on the spot whether to bring someone off, whatever, it, it's a really hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. Now, do we well, think... They both, both play 20 minutes roughly each, so if they're playing more than that, then we're probably defending a lot more, and I don't, I'm not a fan of that. Like, if if we get yeah, the dub yeah. and they play less than that, I'm happy, but... I think the, no, yeah, the two ways they get more minutes is it's either a complete blowout so in our way, so we get the chance to give them more time to play, or like you said, yeah. Bertie, we're defending a lot, and we have to be able to spell Junior and Reg in order to have that big second stint. Now, yeah. speaking of the two teams, we've been scrappy, they've been scrappy. Is this the game where we finally get right, or do you think we're going to be sort of poking around the edges a little bit again, given that it's a tough matchup for us based on historical form? 
and we'll get to, we'll get to predictions soon. But in terms of just like the actual flow of the game, you think it's going to be a scrappy affair? Um, no, I think. Uh, well, I think we'll execute. Mm-hmm. We'll play a bit. We will chance our hand when we when we need to, and we'll play a bit of footy. And when we can see we can play a bit of footy, but. I think what's more important is making your focus in the week. That's what's game. Unfortunately, there's the chance for rain on Sunday looking at the forecast here, which means it could be a bit more of a grinder. But the boys, there might be a good thing because the boys do need to sort of get back to the fundamentals, I think. So anything else before we jump in? That's true. Because Um, if it's a wet track, you've got... That's true, yeah. So the heavier track track means that. Plus, we have a a fantastic short kicking game from Moses and Dillon, which can feature in their heavier track. Now, before we get on to predictions... Um, any more general points of conversation for the matchup in round 13? Who are the referees? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I did not announce the referees, so give me two secs. So we go back to here because oh, I, I was looking at the team list rather than the um the actual official game blog, which is why I don't think I saw the referees. So match officials for this game are Ben Cummings as the main official. Ziggy. Ziggy's back on the touch, um, touch line for us along with Phil Henderson. Big Bad Bo Scott's the VR referee. And uh, the senior review official is Jared Maxwell. So... Both Scott's the offside of there, it looks like, to Jared. So we've got the the main uh, video review committee because Maxwell was the de facto number one guy there alongside Ben Cummins with the whistle on the main ground. But yeah, anything else, boys? We're going to jump into predictions and first try scorers and shout-outs. I'm pretty good. Yeah. All right. Birdie, what do you got for me? First try scorer, final score, and any big shout-out you want to make this week? Um, I think we'd win 22 to 6. You know, I reckon Rain's going to make it. It's going to be not so much a grind, but it's just... It'll be a boring football match, which I'd love if we win. I don't care if it's boring. I don't give a w shit. W is a W, isn't it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I just think, like, this is we said our kicking game has to be good, but I reckon our long kicking game will be full effect. We'll be kicking to the corners. You know, Kennedy's a smallish fullback. Um, you know, like, uh, I think the biggest one out of the back three is Mulatalo, but I think we'll just kick early, chase, and then just put pressure on them. And hopefully, Till, till Brown just step back about two meters so he doesn't go offside, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, and first try scorer. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go for Edge. I think he's just gonna big Reg. Yeah, but this will be like a crash ball. Like you know, we've seen it so many times. So many Reed money crash balls near the line. We're eventually gonna hit. We're gonna crack one. So. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the idea. Ham, yeah. uh, full time score, first try score. Um, full time score. If I can do what I did last week, depends on if it doesn't rain. I reckon four, eight. If it does rain, ten. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, first try scorer. I can respect that. And um, I've noticed a trend here for me. I've tipped the comfortable wins for the last few weeks, and we've had the real nerve-biting wins. Um, so I'm going to go for a 14-6 to victory for Parramatta on the weekend, um, pending that weather, obviously. First try scorer, whew, I'll give it to Mitchell Moses. Thinking, he, he got he got Gutho, but I went Jennings at the end. Mitch Moses was FTS last week. He's going to back it up again this week. Maybe a little kick for himself. Um, so, yeah, that does the predictions. And the I don't think Hamish gave us a prediction, did he? The glorious leader did not leave us with a, a prediction. He did not. We should make up one for him. All right, so let, let's think, Bertie. What sort of score would Hamish predict for this game? <laughs> Predic- well, prediction. The, the glorious leader would say Paramount of fifty. Nah, I've, I, no, he's he's very reserved. I don't know. He, he usually is on the more reserved side, correct? Yeah, maybe that's because you have to be a host. And he doesn't want to offend people. Which, unlike me, I like to offend people. <laughs> I think. And I honestly think he'd probably say thirteen, twelve, or something. Close game. Mitch Moses for field goal. And the first try scorer, he'd probably go with like, you know, Sean Lane, maybe. Sean Lane. Ham, what do you got for um, Hamish? You are right here. I'd say 12. 12, 6. First try scorer, uh, Wanga Blake. That's what Wanga Blake. Well, I'm going to do what he did last week in nickel and dime my prediction. So I'm going to go 13, 6 on Ham's prediction here. So he's going to get the one field goal over Ham. And first try scorer would be Reed Money. So we've all doubled up in our predictions so we can get it even worse this week. Now um shout outs. Hope he likes it. (laughs) Shout outs, boys. Birdie got anything for me this week? Oh well since the Premier League's finished, I was so happy because I thought we secured (laughs) European football. I didn't say Champions League. I'm happy with European football. But bloody Arsenal, they had to win the FA Cup and it's just I got a problem for the next, you know, two months and well hang we'll know how fucking arrogant they are. Like Especially Spurs, we haven't won a trophy in twelve years, and this manager comes in six months and he wins an FA Cup. Like I just, I don't know. Another thing is probably like um, NFL. A lot of players opting out. The, the the Patriots are tanking by having half the team opt out. Yeah, pretty um, crazy if the COVID nineteen opt out for the Patriots. They're at like seven or eight players now, I think. Yeah, and this is not like including Dante Hightower, their best this defensive is like player. Fifty three or fifty four. This is like starters. Yeah. But um, other than that, um, NBA's uh, back. Been a couple of games into the the play into the finals. 
Yeah, uh, oh, one guy scored 53 points on the Sixers against... Uh, yeah, he went, he went off. Yeah, that was crazy. TJ Warren. TJ Warren, um, exactly. A lot of fouls. People complain about a lot of fouls. Like playing yeah, ref, refs have been very technical and ticky-tacky. Yeah, well, there's no one defending because, you know, they've been on the break. So yeah. I just I feel as though like, a lot of players are just... It's just foul games. So other than that... Oh, the baseball, you know, you just mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, like... That, that should be closed off. Well, they, they can't trust the teams from Florida. <laughs> They're almost, almost single-handedly bringing the competition to a halt because of so many well, infections. I'm, I'm fearing NFL is going to be cancelled because we've got, we've got a bigger roster and I don't know. just Yeah, well, the NFL needs to consider a bubble, don't they, somehow? All right. I need the great Peter Belandis. Yeah, I mean, they consulted with Rugby League apparently, but they didn't do a very good job of it. Yeah. Um, Ham, you've got a shout-out this week, haven't you, mate? Uh, yeah, I um, got an email today about a... a in my opinion, a pretty good charity. Uh, so I've signed up for it. It's called Half Cut. Um, usually when I'm half cut, I'm on the floor. But this one's about uh, either shaving uh, your beard, your hair, or braiding your hair. Um, but their major project this year is uh, to buy a Daintree forestation. Uh, ecological survey of the property revealed uh, 240 native species of plants uh, and seven threatened in Castle. Half cut of raising money um, helps save it on deforestation. So I've uh, decided I'm going to chop half my hair off. And as if, if people know me and what I look like, it's uh, it's pretty wild and woolly. So uh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you can you can donate by going to halfcut.org. That'll be a forward uh, slash. Forward slash. There you go. Um, I'm going to reveal my full name. I have to. It's for charity. So that's halfcut.org forward slash Hamish Ingram. That's H-I-S-H-I-N-R-A-M. Um, go there to donate. Um, have a look at the webpage, see what they do. Um, I think it's a pretty good charity, so um, I'm not usually one for plugging that sort of stuff. But, yeah, no, it, it seems good, so, you know, get on. There you go. And I'll be putting up a photo of me with half a head of The before head. and after. We're looking forward to it. Yes, and um, if I can grow – I can't grow a beard at the best of times, but if I can grow a beard in 17 days, yeah. do the mix and match – <laughs> too good alright well on that positive note let's wrap it up thanks for stopping by for another episode of the Parramatta Podcast Boys um, the officially unofficial podcast of the Parramatta Reels of course the premier podcast of Parramatta how's that alliteration baby yeah but yeah so um, hopefully we get the result against the uh, Cronulla Sharks and that obviously keeps us in touch with the other two um, big teams in the, the top three at the moment, in the Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm. Storm do play the Roosters this week, so there is a chance for us to leapfrog them, potentially us taking care of business and the Roosters getting one up on the Storm. So, yeah, keep an eye on that one, and otherwise we'll catch you guys next time. That is.